Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. Before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision and her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Pushkin. FKA Twigs is someone whose music is nearly impossible to categorize. She's a singer-songwriter who plays around with R&B, electronica, and hip-hop. She's been lumped into the alt-R&B category with Frank Ocean, The Weeknd, and SZA, but prefers not to be boxed in. Born and raised in the rural UK, FKA Twigs is probably best known for dating actor Robert Pattinson, also for the health scare that left her needing six tumors removed just last year. At least that's what the press wanted to focus on when her new album, Magdalene, came out in November. But when she decided to sit with Rick Rubin on Broken Record, she wanted to talk about what matters most to her, her creative process and her music. She sat with Rick on the old tour bus studio parked at Shangri-La to discuss the striking video she came up with for her single Cellophane and how recording this album helped her heal. This is Broken Record Season 3, liner notes for the digital age. I'm Justin Richmond. Just a quick note here. You can listen to all of the music mentioned in this episode on our playlist, which you can find a link to in the show notes. For licensing reasons, each time a song is referenced in this episode, you'll hear this sound effect. All right. Enjoy the episode. Here's Rick Rubin and FKA Twigs on her new album. How was making this album different than anything you've done before? I was able to like write for my voice more. And I don't just mean like my physical voice, I mean like for my soul voice mm. as well. Like I feel like I wrote it from more of a, um, like an inside out kind of place, um, which I always have done in the past, but you know, doing that in your early twenties is doing it, is different from doing it in your thirties, you know? Mm. I think this process was, even though I was like going through a lot in my personal life, I think it was a much kinder, I was much kinder to myself in my process. And um, I just didn't feel very like ferocious when I made this record. I think like, you know, as a new artist to get that, those first pieces of music out, like I had such like, like a fire, such a ferociousness, such a push, such like an endless amount of energy, such like an endless amount of like ambition and fight. And for me, this record didn't come from a place of fight at all. It came from a place of like stillness. Beautiful. It's been really nice, actually. <laughs> so it sounds like it became a pleasant process making it. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, there were some tough moments, yes. but I don't feel, like, scarred by it. 
Mm. You know, there's some songs which, you know, there's just like 40 versions of a song and it's so stressful yes. and you know you want the song to come out, but yes. like, it's just a struggle yes. to the point where even, you know, you're like playing it live three years later and you're kind of still got like the kind of angst of when you first made it. Like there's nothing on the record necessarily that feels like that for me this time. I wonder if it came from being in a different place or maybe just having more experience. I think just having more experience. And I think just believing in myself more mm-hmm. and being more certain in my decisions and my decisions being the final decisions and not like not like needing anybody else's opinion or approval. You weren't second guessing yourself. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great. And also to have amazing collaborators that were there like supporting me out of love and not out of like ego or like clout Great. chasing or like, you know, that makes a big difference as well. Absolutely. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. I haven't heard it yet. Exciting. Tell me what was the, how did that one start? Um, Well, that was actually from the first session that I worked with uh, Nicholas Jar. And when we did that song, like, I just knew he was going to be such an important part of the record. Um, He had like a sensitivity and just like an emotional depth and intellectual depth that, um, really touched me he's just such an incredible person and he is a music artist you know there's music this is the first time that you worked with him it's the first time i worked with him yeah you know there's music makers and there's amazing programmers and there's people that have all the tricks in the world but he's a music artist and that's different like he it's not about him you know it's about the music and the work and that was just so inspiring to me and he was so gentle and so funny and so I don't know like in some ways we were quite similar because we can both be very serious and we take what we do extremely seriously and with so much care but at the same time like both really goofy and really like just have a lot of fun and like you know We'd have this like joke in the studio that like just before sunset, like it would turn into like cat hour. And like, you know, when you have a cat and then they start running around for an hour. Have you ever had that before? Yes. Yeah. And they just go crazy for like one like hour out of the day. Yes. You know, we would have this joke that like Nico had like a cat hour. <laughs> and then he would be working really hard and he would just turn around and look at me and say, oh no, I feel like a cat. It's coming. <laughs> And it would just be so much fun. And, you know, they say that for any good relationship, you know, food is such an important thing because it's like bonding, mm. isn't it? So, um, you know, we just really liked the same food as well. So it was just really nice because you'd always be like hunting down like really beautiful, healthy, like homemade vegan food to eat. And there was just such a wholesome aspect to our music making process and that's what I needed I think I really you know I came to him quite broken and fragile and um he just understood and he he didn't try to like fix me this was the first time you worked together oh just you know the first time and just over the duration yeah I mean that was the first time yeah doing thousand eyes yeah um that was in our first session and then I knew and you know this Thousand Eyes hasn't really changed a lot from Beautiful. the the demo. And um, did it start as a track first? No, no, nothing I ever do really. St- no, I don't think anything I've ever done starts from a track. From what I can remember, I just can't make music like that. Okay. It started with me on the Tempest, like all of the drums and stuff, and the kind of like low end. I was doing that on the Tempest, and and Nico was playing the piano, and we were just having a lot of fun, even at the end of the song. Um, I was like, oh, this song would be so good with a horn section. And I was like, I don't know anyone. Like, who can we call? And then we were both like, just like do it with your mouth. So like the end of it, there's like a trumpet sound. That's just me going brr, brr, brr. So cool. <laughs> like this, you know, Nico affecting it. And the way I wrote the song was I just kept on looping myself and recording over and over and over. I've been listening to a lot of Gregorian music and like it's It Burzum. shows, it yeah. feels like it. It made me feel like um, it had an ancient spiritual feeling about it that really feels good feels 
while it feels traditional, it also feels super modern. Cool. Very exciting. That's good. Yeah, it's like a procession to me. Yeah. Like it feels like something's happening, whether it's like a wedding or a funeral or there's just something. And the repetitive nature of yeah, the melody. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of just like keeps coming around. Marching. So it's like a mantra. Yeah, it's just this kind of like feeling of people just moving forward all together in unison, mm. you know. That's what it makes me think of, like imagine like just some sort of procession, you know, some sort of like something that feels very like sacred and and gentle and necessary it was very organic and um to me that's just testament to the relationship that i had with nicholas jar throughout the whole music making process i'm just so grateful to him you know we were there like side by side in the earliest hours of the morning when we were both tired and you know exhausted yeah. and um I think the world is really even yet to see just how brilliant he is. I had his, I guess, his first EP for a really long time, and then there was no more music for, yeah, it seemed seemingly forever. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what happens, you know, like when you're an artist, it doesn't just, you can't just click your fingers and come. And I think it's different, like, you know, for artists like myself and Nico, like, we're not interested in making like hit songs. It's not about that. It's not just like, where's the hook? Yeah. Get in, who's the hit maker? Like, you know, like just get on the mic and do it like easy. It's not like that. Like it really has to come from a different place. And that place is, um, you don't know when you're going to tap into it. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it is literally like yeah. tapping for, oil or digging for water you know you get a little sprout and then it stops and then sometimes it's just the tiniest scratch and all of a sudden you're like flooded with like so much stuff when you have a week and you could write like half an album in a week after like four years of only writing one song yes. and for me that's kind of how Magdalene was in a way it was sort of like one song here like a break like one song here a break and then four songs at once yeah you know two songs in a day yeah it was time yeah it was time and no. it has so little to do with us oh it has nothing to do with me i always say that it's just like yeah something just comes through you sometimes yeah it, yeah, it and it's bigger that's why I, I text nico the other day and i said like this is like bigger than us like we did really well and i'm so happy that yeah, yeah isn't so it grateful. and that feeling when it when it does appear oh. it's so exciting and a little scary. I know for me, like, yeah. I always the feeling like, oh, I don't want it to dissipate. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. let's not mess it up. <laughs> yeah. To me, it just feels like the closest thing to dying. That's how I feel. It's like when you die, like that moment, your last piece of consciousness before you know what happens next. Even if what happens next is like nothing or if it's everything. When I feel like I'm in that zone yes. of making music, that to me is the closest human experience of what it must be like to find out what happens next yeah i always say when i create the veil is the thinnest and i mean the veil between like where we are now and like what happens next you're just like tapping at that door like yeah. it just feels like not like a human experience it feels like a yes. otherworldly experience yes. to me yeah and i would say it's not it's not intellectual at all it's oh. it's just you just feel it. Yeah. And uh, if you think about it, it, it dissipates I as know. well. It's, it's uh, such a fine line, isn't it? Is that so, you almost, you know, when, even when you're in the studio and someone's doing something great, yeah, you don't want to even tell them it's good. No. You know, like I've had that with like Nico a couple of times in the record, like the end of Mary Magdalene. Cause I can be like, you know, I'm very involved in my music making process and I'm very like, nope, don't like that. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> Do you know what I mean, yep, take that. Okay, I'll have that. Send it over here. Send me that part. Do you know what I mean? I'm very like, um, yeah, I know everything that's going on all the time. Almost like to the point like Carlos, who works on the record, like he makes a joke out of it that I'll be like, yeah, it sounds great, but there was a bell in the second chorus three weeks ago when we did that session with this person, this person, this person, and, and it's not there now. And everyone will be like, oh, what bell? And then we'll <laughs> go through all the files and then someone will find a bell and they'll be like, you're crazy. Like, you're actually yeah. crazy. But there's a few times on the record with Nico where, like, I just had to back off and sit quietly and just let him do his thing. And the end of Mary Mag for me was like that. 
in the sense that he just went off on like a kind of journey of finishing the song kind of for about 40 minutes he started making these crazy like plastic stretchy drums and I was like ah that is what I've been aching for for this song for the whole time and I have been through every drum programmer and I've used every single explaining word I've gone through every sound on my tempest and nothing is doing what I mean and I don't know what I mean but I can hear it and then Nico just did it and I was like nobody <laughs> it's happening nobody move um so yeah there are a few times on the record that um yeah just that kind of presence of something else sort of came through for sure so exciting yeah it was let's listen to the next one we'll have more with fk twigs and rick rubin when we come back apple card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card you earn up to three percent daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer helped shape the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed The Boar's Nest, Sue's Place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, would spur each other on to tap into something bigger, realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Bacharach as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash, alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. Hello, hello. Malcolm Gladwell here from Revisionist History, my podcast about the overlooked and the misunderstood. A couple of years ago, I wrote a book called Outliers. It was about exceptional people, the ones who operate at the outer edges of human performance. Outliers fascinate me. And last year, I discovered an outlier in the form of a community organization, Washington State's City of Bellevue. The city wanted to improve public safety by making their roads safer. So they created something that no one had ever built before, a platform that gave road users warnings of any dangers ahead in real time. How did they build it? by using a combination of technologies, the cellular vehicle-to-everything network, T-Mobile's 5G network, and 5G-connected cameras. People driving, bicycling, walking, running, can't forget people running, and people operating the transportation network now had a way to prevent crashes. It's been a huge success. The city of Bellevue earned first place in the community category at the T-Mobile for Business Unconventional Awards, an event that celebrates T-Mobile customers who've dared to innovate for the sake of meaningful change. If you're a T-Mobile for Business customer and your team has, like the city of Bellevue, innovated something really, really cool, I encourage you to enter. It's also a great way for outliers to be recognized in front of your industry's most influential leaders. You can enter at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. We're back with more from FKA Twigs. How did that one happen? Um, I was in the studio um, with my bandmate and um, my label mate, Cyan and Ethan, and um, it was quite a flow of consciousness. I remember Ethan was on the piano and I was... Um, 
had like my helicon like voice machine and I started like just making these like effects using that like layering up my voice and um I don't know like when I was using the helicon I felt quite free you know like I didn't feel because I, I just felt like it was like a different character yeah and it just like enabled me to kind of like have like this cadence that um it's strange because I like kind of rapped on my music before but it was so distorted it was like an alien rap kind mm -hmm. of quite sort of synthetic mm -hmm. but through the helicon it sounded like grounded and earthy and like you said like more personal and closer rather than like an alien rap which is like far away and like yeah, you know esoteric it doesn't feel like science fiction yeah exactly it feels it's more like earth real yeah it's like roots it's yeah. like in the earth it's like you know a growling voice from inside your stomach or something yeah. and so i just felt like i was able to just express like that kind of like frustration and hardness like easier and um and ethan was playing these beautiful uh piano chords and i was weirdly thinking about elton john <laughs> You know, Ethan is an incredible musician. Like, he's just one of those guys that can play, like, five instruments to, like, a, you know, ridiculously high standard. And, you know, he's like, yeah, yeah, sure, I can do that. But, like, he's kind of, uh, you know, very humble and sweet and, and quite sort of reserved. But then he'll just, like, pick up the clarinet and, like, he'll pick up the saxophone and make the whole kind of rise at the end. So working with him was really exciting. And then I remember it was kind of done in one flow of consciousness. It was sort of like a jam, I guess. And then um, my Tempest was on and Science started making these really like ugly sounds on the Tempest. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. It's like some weird like musical, but then like with these like Elton Johnny sort of like piano chords and then like my voice like going from this rap to the quite like operatic but then it also felt really punk you know there was something about it that just felt really punk and I remember my favorite band is X-Ray Specs and they always had like saxophone in their music like you'd think it would be like this kind of like calamity and then all of a sudden like the sax would come in and like play this like crazy riff or line and and, and uh yeah it just it, it felt punk to me it just felt new and it felt emotional and it felt exciting and um again that was one of the songs that didn't change too much so cool from the beginning and and it was i think it was like an eight minute jam and i just went in and i just sat on the computer and just did a little like so it had edit. some of the beat stuff even from the jam some um, of the or was it more like ballad like and then it got amplified i think it was more ballad like and then it got mm -hmm. amplified um from what i can remember but I just remember when science started playing, there was like crazy noises on top. I was like, yes. I was like, yes. It's so ugly and like harsh and Yeah, but, but again, just the juxtaposition of that and the beauty of the piano, it's yeah. like really magical to hear. Yeah, and exciting. it pulls us in different directions, which uh, draws us more into the emotion of the song because nice. it doesn't just start and stop. And it's not a... a it's not linear in any way. No. So neither, neither of the two that we've listened to both have sort of gone through these build processes where yeah. they don't, they, the first one didn't really change, but it felt like it grew and evolved. Yeah. This one felt like it more changed, but still felt like it was, took us on this journey yeah. and it was a consistent journey. Like it made sense to go on the road, Which on the ride. Which is crazy considering that's so it's so vast home with you like there's so many different like types of music in there and like yeah it's crazy that it manages to hold itself together with such certainty but again it's just but you said it started from the jam it started and from it a came jam, in the jam yeah, so it's natural. almost like it works on an unconscious level totally yeah totally it is unconscious it, it is that um which is the best way, isn't it? Like, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's the best when we don't even know why it's good, oh, but you just feel it. It's like you, you can't miss that feeling. Yeah. Sometimes I've been working with my manager now for a really long time. Like he's known me since I was 19 years old. And sometimes when I write a good song and he'll be like, oh, that's so good. Like you please. And I'll be like, I feel sad. And he'll be like, why? And I'll be like, because I'm never going to make it again. Because <laughs> you know what I mean? Like those moments yeah. you're like, oh, I'm never going to have that ever again. Yeah. I can't even recreate it. <laughs> um, it just kind of happens. Yeah. 
Some songs are easy to recreate, you know. When would a visual idea come up for a song? Like you did a video for that one. Yeah, I did. Um, I think fairly soon after making that one, I just had this idea that like, it's like this kind of like linear, constant moving thing taking me back home. So I'm always moving. I'm always like walking or I'm always in a car. Or I'm always running until like I find what I was looking for, which was like my inner child, you know? So yeah, I had the idea for that actually quite soon after making it, that it just has to be this like constant running, running, running from the town and from the country. So like just running back home, like running back nature, like running through like, lakes and fields and houses and kind of having like a rebirth on the way so yeah the idea for that came where did the thought for uh closing an eye come from um because to follow your gut like i had like um tumors in my uterus so like my stomach became so sensitive i had like stomach ache for so long but i started to like think it it, it actually became my intuition in a, in a weird way because if i ate something bad i would have the worst stomach ache ever so my stomach became this really strong sense of intuition and even if i felt anxious i'd get a stomach ache or like you know if someone upset me i would get a stomach ache or it was really strange it was like all my emotions became something so physical um because basically like my tumors were in my uterus but they were sitting on my colon so there, i was just like irritated and um so just to be like in chronic pain like that all the time for a year and a half that phrase like follow your gut just became like it wasn't even metaphorical for me anymore it was actually just you know a huge part of my feeling life and um so to put like my eye in my stomach because I just felt like I was like seeing more through my stomach than I was I see you know as soon as I tried to like get too heady about things or like you know be too up here like in my mind or in my eyes about things my life wasn't working but then when i was like what did you have to what did you have to do to heal the situation i had surgery uh, yeah i had six fibroid tumors removed like a couple of years ago now yeah but it's, it was a long process of healing like then you've got scar tissue and like yeah it was really intense but that's what i was kind of going through when i was making magdalene that kind of pain and then the healing process and it's it, it's interesting because it feels like a healing process record. I wouldn't have, yeah. <laughs> if you didn't tell the story, I wouldn't have no, made the connection. But hearing it, it mm. feels like that. And it feels like the, the healing part is that sort of, that spiritual uplifting element of it where yeah. even though parts of it are scary or dark, it still has this sort of overwhelming um, positive flow to it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's weird. Like it wasn't a, it was a hard healing process, but I mean, I wouldn't change it. I would go through it all again, um, not just for the music, but just for myself and learning to deal with trauma alone. Yes. And learning to be like independent emotionally to a certain extent and knowing that I can only depend on myself truly. And, um, that was interestingly, although being an only child, my mum being a single parent for a lot of my upbringing and always being incredibly independent, being put in a position where I was forced to deal with something really serious and traumatic by myself has been like the most incredible experience of the whole of my life and um i'm extremely grateful for the way that the universe conspired that i would have to do that yeah it gives you confidence moving forward when mm -hmm. you yeah get through some serious hurdles yeah it does did you dance before you started making music yes i've been dancing since i was seven when did the music part kick in? Um, fairly early on. I, mean, I started writing songs when I was probably like eight or nine. I started singing with jazz bands when I was like 12 or 13. And did you see yourself doing music or did you, was there a time when you saw yourself more as a dancer? 
I think there was a time when I was really young when I saw myself more as a dancer, like maybe like nine, 10, 11, 12. But then like when my voice like developed a bit more as a teenager, then I saw myself more as a singer who could dance, but I just didn't know how to do it. I'm from the country. I can't really explain to you where I'm from. It's funny actually, because I was in San Francisco and two of my friends came down to um, see me play and the guy in particular, we grew up together, he lived next door to me in the countryside. And um, it was just interesting talking to them because they're living in San Francisco now and that's quite a, like a big adventure to do like where I'm from, people just kind of stay there and like marry their friends' brothers or their childhood sweetheart or run the post office that is in the village that their gran had. You know, it's kind of quite small a small town life. It's a small town life. So, you know, to know that I wanted to sing and dance and do all these things and just have no idea how. I really didn't have any idea how to do it. Um, but I knew I wanted to, but it just seemed like, it's also very like pre-internet as well. Pre Did you feel like you wanted to, was there a sense of wanting to leave the leave that place? Oh yeah, 100%. I was like the only black girl in my village. It was so stressful. <laughs> I couldn't wait to get out, yeah. I started going to London when I was 13 and I have a lot of family in Birmingham. So I was lucky enough that like- it was, you How know, far from it. London did you grow up? Um, Probably like four hours. It's a long time. Yeah, maybe like three, four hours and then, I had a lot of family in Birmingham, which is much more like multicultural. Um, so I was, you know, I was exposed to a lot of different cultures and stuff growing up. But actually at home and in my home town, it was very one way, one way, one way of thinking. I think I was definitely like the oddball official. <laughs> we'll have more with FK Twigs and Rick Rubin when we come back. As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer helped shape the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed The Boar's Nest, Sue's Place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, would spur each other on to tap into something bigger, realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Bacharach as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast, Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. Hello, hello. Malcolm Gladwell here from Revisionist History, my podcast about the overlooked and the misunderstood. A couple of years ago, I wrote a book called Outliers. It was about exceptional people, the ones who operate at the outer edges of human performance. Outliers fascinate me. And last year, I discovered an outlier in the form of a community organization, Washington State's City of Bellevue. The city wanted to improve public safety by making their roads safer. So they created something that no one had ever built before, 
platform that gave road users warnings of any dangers ahead in real time. How did they build it? By using a combination of technologies. The cellular vehicle to everything network, T-Mobile's 5G network, and 5G connected cameras. People driving, bicycling, walking, running, can't forget people running, and people operating the transportation network now had a way to prevent crashes. It's been a huge success. The city of Bellevue earned first place in the community category at the T-Mobile for Business Unconventional Awards, an event that celebrates T-Mobile customers who've dared to innovate for the sake of meaningful change. If you're a T-Mobile for Business customer and your team has, like the city of Bellevue, innovated something really, really cool, I encourage you to enter. It's also a great way for outliers to be recognized in front of your industry's most influential leaders. You can enter at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. We're back with more from FKA Twigs. Here's her song, Cellophane. That's my favorite. It's so nice to listen to that one again. I actually, like, I got laryngitis about three weeks ago. And um, the interesting thing about laryngitis is that your voice will, like, you'll lose your voice for, like, a week. But then it actually takes, like, three weeks for your voice to come back. So, like, I, st- I still can't sing the high bits in cellophane. It's so frustrating. So it's so nice to hear me sing it there on the record because I've, like, been on tour. But the high bits, like, I have to sing as a whisper. Um so it's just, I don't know, it's yeah. just nice to hear me sing it properly because I've yeah, not been yeah. able to sing it for like a month. I bet it has some other emotional feeling when you can't get the notes. Oh, 100%. It, it does some other it, thing it, that's it, beautiful 100%, too, right? It really does do another <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. It does do another it thing. It makes it like emotion, more emotional in a it different way. It actually does. Yeah, yeah, it's really fragile. Like you yeah, know, yeah. when I sound kind of like more angry and frustrated and at my wits end, whereas with no voice, it's definitely like more tearful and yeah it's so interesting (laughs) how if we go with the whatever the reality of our situations are and really um are true to where we are something really beautiful comes out yeah you know maybe it's not oh well this is how i wanted it it's like forget how you wanted it and just be in it in the moment and definitely that's what i've learned and and it's been you know as a singer like I just never realized how much I sang until like I've like had this weird voice thing for two weeks which is like almost over but you just have to be patient like with this virus like my um vocal cords swelled up so what happens is is when you sing really high your um larynx closes tight but if you have any type of swelling it can't close tight so air gets through and then you can't hit the high notes anyway I just only just learned that this week but like I didn't realize how much I sang around the house until I couldn't sing. I've always sort of been like, oh, no, I don't ever really sing in the shower or I don't sing while I cook or while I'm pottering around, but I actually really do. And it's only in like losing my voice that I'm like, damn, I sing all the time when I'm by myself. <laughs> so, yeah, it's nice to hear me like bow it out there and hopefully in a couple of weeks I'll be back there. But, um, yeah, did, you're right. How did that one happen? Um, I wrote that in the studio. Um with Michael and Jeff and um Jeff just did these incredible piano chords and really set the tone along with a thousand eyes for me finding a lot of solace in the piano on this record I never knew I could like an instrument more that wasn't like some alien like crazy like synth or some like tempest industrial sound like I never knew that I could like have a love affair with a piano, but it's really been my saving grace. And when Jeff started doing those chords, like it just touched me in in a different way. And it was towards the end of the session actually, and we hadn't had much luck in that session. But um, the last half an hour, Jeff started doing that, and I remember I had a lift outside, and I was like, "Oh, can you wait for twenty minutes?" I was and like, "Did you start singing right away?" Yeah, I did. I was like, "Can you wait for twenty minutes?" And and then my lift ended up coming in and hanging out for about an hour. But yeah, we did it in about an hour. Very simple. So beautiful. Yeah, and and then at the very end, um. Nico and I came in and like did a bit of massaging and programming and stuff just to kind of really dial it home. But um, I think when when I heard it last, it didn't yet have that additional programming. Just a bit of like, and juice, now it yeah. feels like it. Um, the second half of it is much more compelling. Yeah, 
and I always loved the song, yeah. but I feel like you really did crack the code of getting the getting the most out of it. Yeah, it just needed a bit of love. Yeah. So let's do the next song. That one's really interesting. It sounds more, that made me realize that when I listened to your past music, it sounded like uh, science fiction <laughs> and you were more of an alien in the science fiction. Yeah. And now on this track, the music is, has the science fiction element, yeah. but you feel much more like this lonely human presence <laughs> in this in this strange world. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. How did that one come about? Um, I first wrote that one with um Jack Antonoff, like leading a session. Um, Holy Train was quite interesting because there was kind of a slightly different version of it that I really loved but it just didn't quite hit home for me in the context of Magdalene. It's hard to explain. Um, if it was a standalone piece, you would have liked it, but in the context yeah, of the album, it didn't work. It didn't quite work, but I don't know why. I don't know what it was, but I, I think also as well, I, I remember at this time in the record, I was getting a lot of um, like ear fatigue. You know, like, you know, the end of Holy Terrain is basically the last song I wrote for Magdalene. And that's when I knew I had to stop because for me, Holy Terrain is just a slightly different era. Yes. You know, like, yes. I, just have a, I just sound more confident in it. The, the beats are more confident. Yes. Um, Soundwave was like making incredible like beats and I was okay with it. If Soundwave, Soundwave would have made those like heavy beats like a year previous I would have been like I can't deal with this but he was doing it and I was really enjoying it and it sounded great so I was like okay cool this record has to come to a close because <laughs> because I'm clearly like feeling a bit more like sassy and confident now um so I had a version of it with Jack which is you know it was really great just a little bit different to this one and then and then I took that version to Skrillex and um, Pooh Bear, and they helped me kind of just massage it completely into place. So it's kind of like a hybrid of these two babies cool. um, coming together. So it's like a lot of different production credits and bits and parts from a lot of different people for a pretty simple song, which is like quite funny. Um, but it was just due to these two kind of sessions that I did in LA. And then when I'd finished the song, I just felt like, damn, like it's just such like a female strong album. You know, on this, like, it's such, like, a heavy, like, feminine presence that I just thought it'd be really amazing to, like, bring a guy into this and see what his perspective is on Magdalene. And for me, Future felt like the right choice because Future's very interesting. He's a very interesting artist because on one hand, he makes these huge bangers, you know, that can be very broad like lyrically very broad everyone can kind of understand everyone can relate but then every now and again he does these songs which are so emo and emotive and like from a different place and he just taps into this like other side of himself and i think it's very rare that artists can do both yes um especially like you know in hip-hop there's only a handful where you think yeah you want to hear that in a club and you want it to kind of like zone out and be part of like the hype of it all and but then at the same time sometimes just come out of these lines where you're like damn that's so true he's so melodic as well future really melodic and um so i played him magdalene and he totally understood and i just said you know this is about me healing as a woman and mary magdalene and the sort of archetype of the virgin whore and all these things and he was like okay i played it to him and he i said like you know just try something but like make it real you know he was like, yeah, of course. And he did it and, you know, his lyrics were like intense. You know, he's saying, I'm going to like pour poison on my woman and then like I feel guilty so I like buy her loads of nice things so I can sleep at night. I was like, damn. When he first said it, I was like, damn. But I was like, but then he's like doing it on, it's almost like you don't hear what he's saying because it sounds fun. But then you listen to it and you're like, oh, wow, that's like some confessional like stuff right there. Um, and it just felt right. It just felt right and it felt fun. You know, for me, Magdalene, it was such like a deep, such like a deep record. Yes. And heavy at times. And when I perform Holy Terrain, it just feels like 
it feels like fun and it feels hopeful. It yeah. feels like, okay, now I'm done. Who's going to stand up in my holy terrain? Like who's going to, yeah. you know, I'm looking for a partner now that can, you know, as any woman does, like not be intimidated by her magic and be a part of it, Yes, you know. Um, do you think that that it may give a clue to what you do next? Um, I mean, I've already started making music again. And, mm, like, yes and no, I don't know. Like, it takes so long, doesn't it, to like find out what you want to do next. But certainly, like, the reaction on stage of Holy Terrain is just so fun, especially after all that, like, emotional music. It's just such, like, a release. So... Yeah, for me, Holy Train, it was the last song I wrote on Magdalene, and it's when I knew, okay, cool, I'm done now. Like, to start off with writing Daybed, um, which was the first song I wrote, to then going on and writing Cellophane and Thousand Eyes and being in that place, and then to end writing Holy Terrain, I was like, okay, that's like a cool journey. Do you know what I mean? That's like, I'm proud of that. Before, before you wrote the last song, did you know you were near the end or not necessarily? Yeah, I did know I was near the end. Yeah, I did know. But at the end is quite fun because you can just play. Like you're kind of chilling, like, yeah. you know. You feel like the heavy, the, the, the heavy lifting's the been done. Like you can just start and experimenting now, and just like, hey, let's yeah. make a trance music now for a week. You know, it's a kind of like the pressure's off. Yeah. You're just like, hey, let's like, experiment. Yeah, let's just go back in and, you know, yeah. Beautiful. Such a great album. Thank you. I love it. <laughs> and it's so nice to see you. Um, you seem happy and well. I am, yeah. It's quite funny because in talking to a lot of people, they really want to focus on like the tragedy of the record and yeah. and how sad it is, but that's just not quite my um, experience of it. <laughs> I would say of all the times that we've hung out, you seem the most comfortable in your skin today. Really? Yeah. Well, I'm very shy. It literally takes me about like 10 times of meeting someone to like be able to, this is probably like, this is maybe like our seventh time meeting now. So yeah, it, it takes me a long time to warm up. I'm very shy. I'm very, very shy. So, and it's weird as well, because I think like when people first meet me, they can think I'm like quite like steely or like, you know, icy, but um, it's just because I'm quiet and I have big eyes. So I just end up like sitting there in silence, like watching everybody. But um, it takes me like a long time to open up. And I guess now I'm thinking about it, it's been like the same with my music making process as well. That it's just like, I, I feel, I feel like less, um, I feel like I can just be more open now in a different way. Not that I wasn't before, but it, it feels now like I can treat my music making like an old friend rather than like a- Yes, it seems like that from every everything you're saying and in the past, I felt there was more of a, what I got from it, from you, was mm. this sense of something to have to really wrestle to the ground all the time. Yeah, and definitely. It was always a fight and always a struggle. And yeah. now it seems like you, there's some ease in the way you're seeing it. Definitely. But that's also down to my collaborators as well. That's also down to my collaborators and helping it be that ease. Because um, if it wasn't, for them and for their generosity and their like willingness in, in helping me be the best me instead of like wanting a credit or yeah you know like just but I think also you you being open to having collaborators is a big deal because in the past even when you've worked with people I I've always felt like you were very uh, you had a sense of ultimately you did everything yourself I remember having a conversation where where I said you know you don't get any extra credit for doing it yourself it's like all that matters is that it's good do you remember us having that conversation no, I, <laughs> I can remember so specifically i i agree with you but i do also think that as a female artist it is incredibly important to highlight how much is done yourself because it's something that as a male you take it for granted that if you're in a studio and you're working that people are going to say oh rick rubin did this and rick rubin is great but unfortunately as a female in the music industry it's just not the case. So I think if I've ever highlighted in the past how passionate I am and how much love I do put into myself, that's just more out of me trying to like change the narrative on what it is being a female and having um, agency over my own work that I guess as a male can be taken as a privilege. 
I'm so glad that you feel that comfort now. Yeah. Um, it just sounds like, it just sounds healthy. Yeah. And the music sounds great because of it. Yeah. And I feel like there'll be more music sooner than the last round. That just know. feels like you're in we'll a, see. <laughs> feels like you're in a good place. Yeah, we'll see. You never know how long it's going to take, do you? It's true. It comes when it comes. <laughs> it's true. I just, I like when you make new music. <laughs> we'll see. As a fan, we like to get the music. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but good things come to those who wait as well. You can check out FKA Twig's new album on the playlist we put together for this week's episode at brokenrecordpodcast.com. You can also sign up for our behind the scenes newsletter while you're there. Broken Record is produced by Pushkin Industries with help from Jason Gambrell, Mia Lovell, and Leah Rowe. Our theme music's by the great Kenny Beats. Stay tuned for our next episode with Bon Iver. I'm Justin Richmond. Thanks for listening. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect with more than 100 of the world's best teachers and musicians. You'll get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 a month, less than a single private lesson. I mean, why do we do Broken Record? Not just because we love hearing from great musicians. We do it because we think that there is something beautiful about the appreciation of music. Don't you think we need more of that in our lives these days? That's the mission of Musora to inspire, educate, and connect musicians. Enjoy unlimited personal support, weekly live streams, student lesson plans. It's like having a personal music teacher, only much, much better. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com, to start a new musical journey today. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there.